Last week we began, or two weeks ago, we began on the marriage. If you noticed the introduction of the uh, message for today, I want to read that because it will bring us up to where we are now. If you don't have an outline of the message, please raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. Brother Steve has some with him. So if you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. Steps to strengthen our marriages. And for the singles here, don't, don't tune me out and stay with us because a lot of these principles apply to, the, to relationships, whether it's the marriage relationship, where it's a co-worker or it's a brother or sister in the church. So these are tremendous steps, steps to strengthen our marriages. Do you believe our marriages today in America needs to be strengthened? Huh? Amen. I think this is very timely, and I think it's very important. This is a continued series on a Christ-centered life. We're in a three-week or a week three of a series on marriage. In week one, we looked at in the beginning marriage, the formation of marriage, uh, and then that second week we examined conflict in marriage. Today, we look at how to handle the conflicts and thereby strengthen our marriages. In other words, it's not hard to come up with the reason there are conflicts. And why we fuss. And why we argue. The main thing is to know how we are going to handle them. And the important thing is to know how that you and I as couples, as brothers and sisters, how we're going to avoid those conflicts. How we're going to deal with them. I'm going to mention briefly these conflicts, and by the way, we have outlines of this if you'd like to get last Sunday's. Conflicts were weariness, the cause of them, discouragement, Satan, we dealt with these uh, extensively, spiritual backsliding or guilt, complex or condemnation. Conflicts are caused by financial pressure and sickness, the emotional cycle by the wife and by the husband, we went through that, fear, interesting uh, reason, poor communication, uh, lack of attention or a deep desire for it, lack of consideration for the other's feelings. We are living in a selfish, if we're not careful, uh, society today where everyone wants his or her own way and wanting to know what am I going to get out of this relationship. And then the number 12, we are faced with inability or suffering from an inferiority complex. They're the reasons why, some of the reasons, and that's, that's certainly not exhaustive in itself, and uh, why there are conflicts. Now, I want to read the scripture that I read last week because I think it's very important. And, and there's several verses we take primarily from the book of Proverbs. And so if you allow me, let's go back through these because it exposes uh, some areas where maybe we, you and I need to work on. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. And then the 15th chapter also, but the 18th verse. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. I want to read that in another translation, the New Century Version. 
Listen to what it says. People with quick tempers cause trouble. In the latter part of that verse, but those who control their tempers stop a quarrel. Proverbs 16, 32, he who is slow to anger is better than, say better than. There are several scriptures in Proverbs that's better than scriptures. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Here it's talking about self-discipline. 1911, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Better to dwell in the wilderness than in a contentious than with a contentious and angry woman. I'll leave that right there. An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man, furious man abounds in transgression. And then one more. I'm going to read this one. But now you yourselves are to put off these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, and language out of your mouth. And then there's others that's in Ephesians and all. But I want to get to this today. On how to deal with the conflicts. Father, we need your help. Speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you might cause this word to fall on good soil and bring forth much fruit. In Christ's name, amen. I have a copy that we have provided for the uh, foyer. We, don't, we did not give these out. But there are several of these in the foyer. It's called the five myths about living together before marriage. Now, I wanted to mention this before I begin this sermon. In the United States, living together instead of marrying has become the norm for couples. Half of young adults age, listen to this, half of young age, or age young adults age 20 to 40 are cohabitating instead of getting married. Cohabitation has increased nearly 1,000% since 1980, and the marriage rate has dropped more than 40% since 1960. And some of the things that people say to justify themselves in shacking it, I mean, living together, are these. Myth number one, living together first, will tell us if we are right, the right one for one another. We did, and it deals with that myth. Living together will show us if we are sexually compatible. And it deals with it. Myth number three, when it comes to living together without the marriage vows. I love these answers. Don't have time to give them. We're just, here's another one, as committed to each other as a married couple. Number four, our friendship won't suffer by moving in together. Believe me, it will. 
Marriage is far more than a piece of paper. It is a promise before God to love and cherish your spouse for life. People who only shack up also make a promise, sort of. I promise to do my best or to watch you very closely to determine if you are worth it. It doesn't work out. Oh, well, it's not like we were married or anything like that. Wow. The divorce rate, listen to this. And I don't want to labor on this, but it's important. The divorce rate of couples who live together first is significantly higher than for those who do not. You hear the other. You won't hear that by the world. Living together for many couples lasts about 18 months, give or take. And then the last myth, we can love one another just as much without marriage. Well, they're all myths when it comes to living together. Conflicts in marriage, steps to strengthen the marriage, how to deal with them. Every one of us fuss (laughs) or or whatever you want to call it. Someone might say, I don't get mad, I don't get angry. Well, wow. Wow. The Bible says I can be angry but not to sin. So we all, if we have a relationship of any kind, a marriage relationship or others, we all have conflicts. And here are ten ways to deal with those conflicts. And by the way, I will just go through these and I hope you'll take this outline and maybe with your wife or your husband uh, or brother or sister or yourself just sit down read the scripture and walk back through these because I'm here to tell you your marriage does not have to be unfulfilled it can be fulfilled and you don't have to go through a marriage relationship fussing and quarreling and fighting all the time amen Number one, expect the inevitability of conflict. It's going to come. Uh, Conflict is natural. I love this. A good relationship and a well-balanced personality will express aggression. That's the reason we disagree is because we are different. Men are from where and women are from where? Jupiter and Mars. Venus and Mars, okay. But just just miles apart. It is going to happen. But we need to understand, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. I don't think we should go into the marriage saying, I'm gonna get, we're going to have it out. But I do want us to understand that there are differences in our personalities, makeup, and we, we act and react different. So it's inev- inevitable that there are going to be conflicts. Number two, fighting, need to know this, fighting is not the way to solve a problem. When there's tension and the man says to his, his co-worker, well, I'm going home tonight and me and the old lady is going to have it out. Well, in the first place, she's not your old lady. She's your wife. Treat her tenderly. And it's, it's important that we do that. Fighting is not the way to solve the problem. 
We need to know that there's a way to sit down through the help of God and work it out. Someone said marriage is often about fighting the battle between your ears. Here's where the problem is here. And I find out most of the time when I get myself straightened out that my wife is okay. Hey, guys, we need to understand. I'm going to say something. Since I began teaching this, my wife and I, we, we hardly ever fuss. We fuss more since I started this. True. We have fussed more since I started this message than we have in 30 years. If she'd straighten out, I wouldn't. Well, no. I'm just here to tell you, the devil don't want you to have a happy, fulfilled marriage. And whatever he can do to create dissension, conflict, anger, we need to understand how to deal with it. Fighting is not the way to solve a problem. Number three, timing. And this is important. If there's going to be a solution to the conflict, instead of an argument, set a time to say, we're going to talk about this. Our latest argument, we talked through it much better and, and we, just, we just talked through it. And then I went and hugged her neck and wept and asked her to forgive me. Honest. Listen, there's a way to solve the problems. And they can be solved. And we need to understand that if we let those pressures stay there, that if we, if we don't deal with the problem up front, after a while they begin to mount up and they begin to, to grow and they begin to increase. And after, then if we're not careful, it blows up. And that's not good. That's the reason it's good for us to set a time that we are going to talk it out and discuss it. Number three, organize your thoughts. If we react to anger, we will say things that we did not mean. And once those words are out, the damage is done. Now, nobody shout me down this morning, especially the married folks. But it's true. We do not need to act and react in anger. We can say, well, I'll ask her to forgive me. I'll ask him to forgive. They will, and probably it'll go on. But you can't continue to do that and hurt and hurt and hurt. The important thing is to organize your thought and think about it. I, I remember just this past week, I, I did that, and uh, it, it, it works. It works. Don't just start talking and and uh, start saying words because words have a way of hurting very, very much. Anger is manageable. You know what, people? Some people blame the devil on everything. Well, the devil made me do it. I, I think some people have a revolving door for demons. They go in and out, cast, and, and, and not, that's not true. They act like it is. The devil, oh, the devil did this and that. No, anger is manageable. Most of the time, the devil didn't have anything to do with it. It's, well, he does, but in, 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 in essence, but it's, it's, it's the flesh. 
It's the human being in us, and we need to know, we need to know how to deal with it and how to manage it. Amen? Be angry and sin not. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Number six, we must not flaunt our superior capacity in some areas. If you can scream louder, don't. And if you can think faster than your partner, don't use that as a club or an instrument to hurt. Most women think can think around a man before he ever before he ever gets there. You know, they've already thought it through. And some of you guys are laughing and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't use your abilities to hurt your mate, your wife, your husband. Understand God gave you those abilities and he gave you your personality. He gave you the traits that you have and thank God for that. But they're not to be used as, a, as, some, as something to hurt someone. Number seven, be totally open. Now, this is so important. Be totally open. When you go and talk or sit down to discuss or talk about a problem that is going on, whether it's finances, whether it's the physical relationship in marriage, or whether it's the personality difference, or whatever it might be, when you go to talk, be totally open. Ladies, you have a way of thinking. He knows what I need. He knows what I want. He knows what I'm thinking. And most men don't have an idea of what you're thinking. And, and you get into an argument and you get into a fuss. And you're not totally open and, and you are hurt and you pout. And things are not going well. And you say, well, he ought to know I feel this way. I told him three years ago. I told him last week. He don't remember that. It's important that we are totally open. And for the men, the wives have a way of saying things without ever opening their mouths. Gene Evans tells how he and June were driving down the road and they traveled a lot during their younger years and how that uh, they would pass them all. And she said, there's them all. He said, yeah. And he just drive right on. And uh, he noticed that she got quiet. And way down the road, he said, what's wrong? Well, I wanted to stop at that mall. But she didn't say it. He understood then after that when she said, there's a mall, he, she wanted him to stop at that mall. We need to be totally open and honest with each other. And guys, we need to make sure that we are listening with more than just the ears. Is that good? Is that good? And that goes with every, you know, I'm not just talking to married people. That goes for all of us. A brother or sister may say something and we're wondering why or what. And we need to understand why they said that and, and what's going on with that individual. Our, our, our effort should be to find out 
where they're hurting. And we could just save us a lot of problems. Number eight, never throw up the past. Oh, you're going to do what you did last week, aren't you? It's not good to throw up the past. If you've gotten it settled, and you should have it settled, if you've sat down and you've thought this out and you've given it thought and you've discussed it and laid it to bear, don't throw it up. Forgive. Let me say something about forgiving. Most of you know this. Let me say something about forgiving. Uh, There's two ways you can know if you've forgiven someone. Someone says, if I forget, then I I don't remember it anymore. No, God gave you the ability to remember. Some people say, well, God just just removed this part of my brain. We don't want to do that. Because a lot of us don't have a lot to lose, you know. We remember. God gave us that ability. And it's okay to remember. Two ways you can tell if you've forgiven someone. If if they've harmed you or they've said something or done something and they say, honey, I want you to forgive me and you forgive them, two things. Number one, you don't throw it up anymore. You don't bring it up again. If you bring it up, you didn't forgive them. And number two, you don't get angry when you think about it. If your wife or your husband did something and and, and you got it settled and they said, honey, forgive me. And then you go to work and you get to thinking about what she did, about what he did. And you get more angry and more anger, angry Then you didn't forgive him. That's really got quiet. But it's important that we forgive. How many of you know that Jesus forgave us? Jesus Christ forgave us. Never throw up the past. Exercise grace to that husband and to that wife. Number nine, a good disagreement, honest anger, anger that does not sin, should produce truth and facts. If you don't deal with truth, if you don't deal with fact, you have nothing to build on. I want to read something that I think is, is just very important with this step. If we are going to be angry that we do not sin by being absolutely truthful without throwing up the past and forgiving, out of that honesty will come truth and fact. It will cause the relationship to grow stronger and to grow healthier because it produces truth and fact. And a lot of times in a heated argument, we don't bring out truth and fact. We hurt. But if it's done in deception, true and, and trust and faith and everything else will be gone. And that's what you want to build between your husband and wife is that trust and that faith. Number 10, once the disagreement and argument is settled, stick to it. Understand this. If there's a crisis, if there's an argument, The marriage is not over. We're not going to pack our bags and leave because something was said or done. Now, this is some hard stuff here, but it's important that we understand that. 
Now, in closing, let me say this. Unless we have a spiritual foundation, marriage will never be fulfilled. Unless we have a spiritual foundation, we have no way to build truth and fact on. And so I, 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 I wanted to list here additional must. Five must in order to sustain a fulfilled marriage. Let me say it again. There must be a spiritual foundation. A spiritual free relationship is an organism that may have heart but lack soul. Someone says, I want to be happy. Well, happiness is not the, the goal. We certainly want to be happy. The goal is to be truthful before God, obedient before God, allow the Holy Spirit to do things in our lives to make us be a servant to that, to that mate, to make us love him, to make us love her, and to abide by the Scripture. Here's five things that I think is very important that we do. Then we can apply these 10 uh, steps and they will work. First of all, pray together. Set aside times each day to pray with your spouse. I want to say something that's so important. We have prayer at this church the fourth Friday night of each month. Now, this could be at prayer Friday night. It could be in the prayer room, whether it's Sunday morning between 9 and 9.30. It can be a prayer at your house. But there is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up. I'm going to say this. If you're having problems, nothing would solve that problem in your marriage and stop the, the arguments and all that goes on with that. Nothing would help any more than to take that wife, man, uh, husband, take that wife by the hand. Say, honey, let's go down to church Friday night. Sit next to each other during that hour. Someone says, I can't pray an hour. We don't pray necessarily, you know, talk a whole hour. We sit and enjoy the whole thing with music, with prayer, with fellowship, with enjoying the presence of God, with worshiping God. I believe with all of my heart, if more people, more couples would pray together, it would solve most of the problems in that relationship. But the devil will keep you from praying together. He'll keep you from joining together in prayer. But I want to challenge you. Make sure you pray together. One of the things... Over the 45 years in pastoring, I found out when someone has a problem with me and they want to talk to me about it, and we sit in the office and we talk about it. Before I go out of that office, I'll say, would you join me in prayer? And I'll ask that individual, that person, to pray for me. You know, it's kind of hard to be angry at someone that you're praying for. One of the best things to do is to get that that person to pray with you and for you. So I don't have any confidence. I don't have, you know, let grace rule in your life. Let grace rule in your life. Number two, read together. Set aside time each day or at least once a week to read the Bible together. 
My wife and I enjoy reading the, as I prepare my sermon, as she prepares her, her uh, study, we enjoy reading together with each other. And I would encourage you, at least once a week, to sit down with the Word of God or, or some book, good uh, book with biblical principles and read together. Number three, make decisions together. Commit to making important decisions together. Number four, attend church together. Get involved. One says, I go to church every Sunday morning. If, if, if that's the extent of your spiritual outreach, then you're going to suffer not only spiritually, but in your relationships. It is very important to get involved in the church. And we have so many things that are going on in this church that with people being active in this church, whether it's Sunday morning, and then we have, we start church before 1030. We have from 9 to 930, we have prayer in the prayer room. It's beautiful in there. It's quiet there. Set aside time. I'm going to go early and I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to Brother Morris's Sunday school class. I'm going to Sister Carol's Sunday school class. I'm going to get under the teaching of the Word of God. If all we're getting is just what comes out here between the uh, 11.15 and the 12 o'clock time, then we shortchange ourselves when it comes to God's Word. Not only go to church, but get involved. Wednesday night is a well-rounded evening. One hour, I challenge you, one hour. Either come to the teaching on Wednesday night, either be with the Barnabas ministry, and they go out visiting. They visit the shut-ins, the hospitals, convalescent homes, pray with people, love people, cry with people, laugh with people. It's called the Barnabas ministry. It's an encouraging ministry. And then it's just so many times. We pray every Wednesday morning at 9.30 here at the church. If you're free, you could come. Say, I'm gonna... Listen, these things take effort, but go to church and get involved in church. All right, I'll hush. And then continue dating. I love this statement. Set aside special regular times to continue developing your romance. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This is what God wants us to do. And I'm here, I don't know where you are in your relationship with your wife or your husband, but I want you to pray this prayer or read this prayer. Look at it. Lord, may peace replace anger and resentment in my heart. May May you help me to replace the harshness and the judgmental attitude with a soft answer. Examine these steps. Examine where you are in your relationship with God. Lord, I'm going to be honest. One of the things that I found as pastor, it's so hard to get people to be honest now because we always deflect the questions asked or we're dealt with, we always put it aside. But I want to challenge you, not only be honest with each other as husbands and wives, as brothers and sisters, 
Be honest with God. Can I go a step further? Be honest with yourself. Where are you at today? Are you looking for your mate to change? Someone says, if you're dating, well, when I marry her, she'll change certain things about it. She'll change. She will for the worse. He'll change. They get worse because their guard is up while you're dating. Max Licato says, I can change no one through direct action. You can't. You can't make any. You cannot make your wife or your husband change. You can try. But you're not going to make them change. The other step, but God can touch me and help me to change. Change my attitude. Change my heart. And then others respond as I change. I find my wife responds to me as I get, as I change for the, for the better and the good. And the same thing will happen to you. Is your wife perfect? No, but you married her. You chose her. Is your husband perfect? No, but you chose him. I dare say that if you would examine your relationship with your mate, there's probably maybe about 20% of the things about that mate you'd like to change. 80% of it you like. That's usually about the way it goes. Concentrate on the 80%. Put that 20% aside. Thank God for who she is. Love him, for who he, love him for who he is. Thank God for all the positive things. I'll assure you, if you take a pencil and a piece of paper, and you made a column, and you, you looked at that column, and you say, I'm going to put all the good things about him right here, all the bad things about him. Now, don't you say there'd be more bad things. Because I believe if you would do that, that the good way, way outweighs the bad. Lord, help me to give a soft answer. Help me, dear God, to show the spirit of Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Father, we love you today. and We thank you for the time we've had together. Lord, these are principles that uh, they're practical. Maybe, maybe, maybe not spiritual, some of them, but that's okay. Lord, we live in a, in a natural world. We, we're, we're humans. We're not angels. But we need to understand relationships. We need to understand what we can do to curb the conflicts. We spend too much time arguing, Lord. Forgive us. Lord, if, if I've not been totally open, I pray that you would help me in that area that I might be open. God, forgive me of my anger. Forgive me of my, of, of, of my resentfulness. Lord, forgive me of holding things in my heart and, and not being willing to forgive and to lay those things on the altar. Search our hearts here today. Reveal to us, dear God, areas where we can certainly improve our relationships with, with mankind. And we know, dear God, this morning, as our vertical relationship with you improves, our horizontal relationship with others will improve. Thank you for that. Speak peace to homes today. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Will you stand with us?